0: Welcome again to Homeville Baptist Church and again we'll be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. You know I have probably about four or five Christmas messages if you will um, that I like to preach and one of them I preached uh, last week uh, about Mary and, and I certainly want to follow the Lord as I, as I preach through these things and uh, with with not negating that, of course, but recognizing the season and the time, and uh, exploiting that, if you will, if I can, if I can put it that way. I had a preacher say one time, "Never miss an opportunity to preach the gospel. If there is a a a, a and, and, and higher interest than normal in the things of the Lord, whether it's Easter or whether it's Christmas or whatever it may be, then use that. Use it to your best advantages to to preach the gospel." Uh, and I, I prayed much about, as I do every week, to what passages to preach from, you know, whether to preach from the so-called Christmas passages, if you will. And, and there are many, by the way, and even you know, in the Old Testament, they're all throughout the Bible. Um, but my goal is the same as your goal. And my goal is to be sensitive to the Lord's leading, uh, to be sensitive to the Lord's timing uh, and all of those things. I want to follow the Lord. And today's message is from a very familiar passage there in Luke chapter two. Uh, it is a message that I preached before, before, but one that I truly enjoy preaching. I, I, I identify very much with this passage. Uh, it's a message that I believe I truly need during this time. Uh, like I said, I went through you know four or five of those passages uh, and I even entertained, I have actually, I was talking to my wife uh, throughout the week, three more messages from Christmas passages that are yet to be developed. And uh, I was, you know, searching the Lord for those, and the Lord brought this back to my attention. And again, this is a, a passage that uh, I really enjoy preaching. Uh, not only do I enjoy preaching, as I've already mentioned, about God becoming flesh, and I also enjoy alliteration. <laughs> I also uh, want to point out that God's truth is greater than any outline. God's truth is greater than any sermon from any man, for that matter. And this morning, I would like for us to get a hold of the truth of the Bible. Uh, now, it's our goal every morning, uh, or every Sunday morning, it should be every morning, I guess, if we're reading our Bibles. Uh, but let's meet with God this morning. Let's meet with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the message of God becoming flesh is truly inexhaustible. You cannot preach enough messages about God becoming flesh. But as you know, He did not come just to be born. He came to die. And he came to give life. Put it a different way, he was born once so that we could be born twice. And he died once so that we wouldn't have to die twice. He was laid on that makeshift wooden cradle so that he could be laid on that miserable wooden cross. Our God became flesh for you. And he became flesh for me. And with that preface, with that abbreviated introduction, because we're going to continue on that, look at verse number 1 of chapter 2. The Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was a governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child, And so it was, that while they were there, the days were accomplished, and that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Verse 8 says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord showed round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. them by the shepherds, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things that they had heard and seen And as it was told unto them. Our our passage is going to stop there, but I want to read that next verse. And when the eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the manger scene. We thank you for, Lord, setting aside your glory and becoming flesh to be robed in the same thing that we are robed in. Lord, we thank you for, Lord, meeting with us. We thank you for becoming us and and, and meeting with us in a way that we can understand you, that we can touch you and hold you and speak to you. Lord, help us. Help us to understand who you really are and what you've really done for us on that cold, dark city, or cold, dark night in, in Bethlehem, Lord. And we're very thankful for that, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you meet with us today, Lord. Lord, I pray that you meet with me. Lord, as you've known, I've, I've, I've talked much with you this morning. And Lord, and I pray, Lord, that I, I beg you and I beseech you, Lord, to meet with us. Meet with us as we collectively are gathered together, all because of you. Lord, we have sang joy to the world, and that's because of you. We have sang to God, be the glory, and again, that's because of you. Lord, and we're here to open our hearts and our minds and all that we are to receive your word because of you. Because of what you've done for us in becoming man and becoming our sin and becoming our payment on that old rugged cross. Lord, it's all because of you. Lord, we joke around about why we come to church sometimes and we have fun and and we should have fun or the church should not be a boring place, Lord. But let us never forget that it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that this morning as I preach, Lord, that you fill me with your spirit, Lord, that you hide me behind your cross and that these people, all of us together, Lord, as I am a part of this church, Lord, may we follow you as our chief shepherd and may we see you high and lifted up. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, to many believers today, or even non believers, uh, today's Christmas is really not much different than any other Christmas and not much even more significant than the first Christmas. Uh, you see them, you see them in your own lives, and maybe we even walk those lives for a while. But we see them throughout town, back in America, we see them there, we see them in Germany, we see them all over the world. People just going about celebrating their Christmas. Season as just like it was last year and the year before and the year before and like it's nothing special. They they celebrate Christmas. And not really grasping the meaning of Christmas. And they just go throughout their lives. And again, sometimes we're part of this group. We go throughout our lives as if nothing has changed. Nothing has changed over the thousands of years of the world. Everything just keep going as they were. Nothing has changed. We're in the same season. Nothing can change nor it can change. Well, in our passage here, I want to I highlight a group of folks here, these shepherds. Think about what they thought that night was going to be. Do you think they, they believed that it would be a different night than the night before? I don't think so. I think they thought it was going to be the same night, just like it was the night before. And the night before, verse 8 says that they were in the same country, shepherds abiding. In the field, keeping watch over their flock by like. And again, this night to them was no different than any other night. They were with their sheep. They were protecting their sheep. They were on guard duty. Now, I've been on guard duty, Mike, right? Guard duty is exciting. No, it's not. It's not exciting, is it? No, it's boring. It's boring. I remember way back in the early 90s, I was was tasked to guard a motor pole with a a pickaxe, but without the pick and the axe, just the, just the handle. You remember those days, Jeff? You I, just, I don't know what I was doing. I'm, I'm on military installation, and I'm guarding trucks with a baseball bat, essentially. I don't know what in the world. But there I was on guard, and you're there for you know, sometimes two hours, four hours, six hours, eight hours, all night long, as these shepherds were. It's boring. Sometimes extremely boring. And sometimes as a soldier, I wish somebody would just try to steal one of these trucks so I could just have some excitement, you know. And these shepherds here, they've been on sheep guard for a long time. Not just this night, but probably since Passover. All throughout the summer and into this into the fall, they've been they've been guarding sheep months and months and months of the same thing every night. The same thing every night. It's been a long season. And of all the men in that culture, sheep herders, they were some tough, they were some tough folks. These were the, the rough and tough bottom of blue collar workers, if we would call them there today. We see them sometimes out here on the driving through the, the country in Bavaria. Uh, it's a little different than they were They're driving around. their nice little green trucks. They're always having the same kind of trucks. I don't understand. Maybe it's the same guy everywhere. I don't know. But, you know, they didn't have those trucks here and they stayed outside all night long. They were they were the ones that had the grizzled faces and they had the calloused hands. They didn't spend their days in the temple. They didn't spend their days uh, reading books. They didn't study uh, with the scribes. They were outdoorsmen. They were sheep herders. They were not easily shaken. But there was something very different about this night. This night was not to go on as every other night would, would be. It would be a night they would never forget. Look at verse nine. The, the verse nine says the glory of the Lord showed round about them. See, an angel from heaven visited them. I don't think they had ever been visited by an angel before. Just, just a hunch. Uh, an angel from heaven visited them and the glory of the Lord showed round about them. I like that passage there, that, that phrase there of the glory of the Lord. We reread through the Christmas story. and I think sometimes it gets lost in, in the story. The glory of the Lord showed round about them. Now, what would that mean to you? I mean, what kind of, how does the Old Testament define the glory of the Lord? The last time we read about the glory of the Lord is above the Ark of the Covenant. Now, it's mentioned many times in the Old Testament, but usually in prophetic terms. But in the present, back in the Old Testament, when they wrote about it, it's it's in the Holy of Holies. The glory of the Lord is a pretty spectacular thing. Again, it's usually in the Holy of Holies. And these shepherds got a front row seat to that same glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord that filled the Holy of Holies met with those shepherds on that cold, dark night. No wonder they were sore afraid. I would be sore afraid. I think we all would. I don't care how tough we are. I think those shepherds were on their knees that night. The glory of the Lord met them. And although Isaiah doesn't specifically mention the glory of the Lord in in chapter 6 there, he too was afraid when he got a glimpse of the throne room of Almighty God. But the angel's purpose here in Luke chapter 2 was not to frighten man. It was quite the opposite. Notice verse number 10. It says, And the angel of the Lord said unto them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. This was not a message of great trembling. This was a message of good tidings. Fear not, he says. I have a message of great joy. Of great joy. And notice that it's to all people. That's you and me. That includes All of us, including those shepherds there. And what was this great message? Look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The message to them, to those shepherds on their knees, frightened out of their mind, uh, night vision completely gone. All they're looking at is that the one angel with the glory of the Lord shining around about them. The message was a fulfillment of a promise that began way back in the Garden of Eden. A promise that a deliverer would come. Now, these might have been rough and tough sheep herders, but I think they were still Jews. Obviously, they were they knew a little bit about the word of God. They knew about these promises. And now this angel, this one angel is there with the glory of the Lord all around them, telling them that the deliverer is going to come. They they were reminded that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The promise that unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. You know, those, those religions, those Christian religions that say that Jesus is not God, I don't know how to get around this verse or even around Hebrews chapter one, where, when God says, the author of Hebrews says, Thy throne, O God, speaking from God to the Son, God considers Jesus also God. He called him the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace and dear shepherds, I am here today. This angel is saying that this message is for you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And the angel continues in verse 12 by giving them a sign. Giving them a sign on how they can find this Emmanuel. He's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger I mean, I want us to picture that, you know, picture yourself as a shepherd and you're there on that field and it's cold. I don't think they even thought about the numbness in their toes when they saw that angel. And then they heard that the eternal creator of the world was going to be wrapped up in swaddling clothes, poor man's clothes, and laid in a trough used to feed animals. That's going to be your sign. I mean, talk about a sign. God's going to come in the world and here's your sign. You're going to find him laying in a food trough. When you see these things, dear shepherd, you're going to know that God has become man. That God is in the flesh. That He's laying in the hay right before you. That's your sign. And then, at that very moment, as they finished uh, conveying the message of the angel and understanding that, look at the look at the uh, the Bibles there, uh, verse number. Uh, Thirteen and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men." So it started with one angel, the the glory of the Lord, and now the whole whole sky is filled. I mean, look at that. The there was an angel multitude of heavenly host. That word "host" means armies. A multitude of angelic armies, not just. Not just 25 angels showing up. A multitude of armies of angels showed up and lit up that Palestinian sky. Those shepherds were, I mean, beside themselves, no doubt. Now, I don't know how, how we would... I wonder if, you know, maybe a town over... We don't have the map up here, but figure, figure a town maybe a couple houses away down the road, if they saw that. Or was it like what they showed with Elijah? We talked about that on uh, last Thursday, Thursday before last. Did was it just the shepherds who saw all these things? Who knows? But either way, those angels filled the sky, and they sang glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, good will toward men. And as fast as they showed up, as they were clean out of sight, they were gone. The shepherds now, if we were to call them a modern-day term, we can call them the first responders. They were the first responders. To the world. Now, of course, the angel met with Zacharias already to talk about John the Baptist. The angel met with Mary. We talked about that last week. But to the world, the shepherds kind of represent us here. They're the, they're the first responders of us, and they were no doubt in some sort of shock. They were emotionless probably for a moment or two. They had to regather their night vision. I mean, they just saw a whole, angelic, or a whole sky light up. I mean, with them, all that's gone. How much do you think they can see? Probably, Probably not very well. It was... It was back darker than it was beforehand. So they had to regather their night vision and regather their thoughts. What began as just another night changed the entire outcome of the world. The shepherds were faced with an obvious decision, though. Would they go back to guarding the sheep? Or should they heed the heavenly message? I mean, the answer is kind of obvious, right? Right. What should be their next step? And before we read on, I want to ask a question. What would you do? We all would say, of course, we'd follow the shepherds. Well, we would do exactly what the shepherds did. We were just blinded. How could we not believe all these things here? But I want to also point out that we have the same message from the from the angels. We have the same message. You see, God used an angel, but it was the word of God. And the Word of God says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. This is in 1 Timothy, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So again, as a part of this very long introduction, I want to say to you this morning, if you do not know Christ personally, or you have drifted in your relationship with Him, today and tonight and tomorrow doesn't have to be just another this Christmas season doesn't have to be just another Christmas. It could be the day that you receive Christ. It could be the day that you rededicate your life back to Christ. It could be the day that you surrender all. Like We talked about last week with, with Mary, be it unto me, according to that world. Today could be that day. It doesn't have to be just another day. It could be a, day, it could be a great turning point in your life. It could be a turning point that says, I have accepted Christ and now I have a home in heaven. Or as a believer, as a Christian, it can be a turning point to a new life of commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And truth be told, every day shouldn't be just another day in a Christian's life. Every day should be a a yearning and a drive for a closer walk with the Lord. Don't let this just be another Christmas. 2020 has been exciting to us. It's not just another year. Don't let it go in vain. Use it. Use it to drive your roots deeper, to to make you more like Christ. Surrender to him. You know, the message of Jesus Christ is as clear to us, if not more clear than it was to the shepherds on that cold, dark winter night. It's clear to us. Christ Jesus came into the world to save you. And to save me. Their actions, however, I I think we find some good, good examples to follow. Remember, we call them the first responders. And while thinking about our response, how you would react or how you even react to this message, whether whether you react in a way that, you know what, Lord, I'm tired of of making today just another day. I'm tired of making 2020 just another year. Lord, I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to receive you as my personal Savior and ask you to forgive me of my sins and, and receive that new life, that new creation in my heart. And to be a new person in Christ, created unto good works. That's the Today is going to be a good day for me. I'm going to turn my whole life around. I'm going to rededicate my life to the Lord. That's the question this morning. And I want you to ponder that and your response. So the shepherds had a response that they had to give. They saw a message. They saw they saw and heard a message from the Lord. You have heard a message from the Lord. What do you do with it? What is your response? I want us to follow their response. Look at verse 15. So their question is, what do they do? I mean, the Bible doesn't give us a question, but they're human. The shepherds are just like you and me. They've met this. The angel says, you need to go here. and You need to find this babe laying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling swaddling clothes, and what do you do? Verse 15 says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's go back to guarding sheep. No, they didn't say that. They said, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, Which the Lord hath made unto us. The shepherds pursued the Lord. They pursued the Lord. Our response should be to pursue the Lord. You know, after all was said and done here and the night returned upon these tiresome shepherds. All that was gone. All that excitement was gone. They made a conscious decision to follow the Lord. God made it a point to let them know. You ever wonder why God met with the shepherds? They're not near the manger. They're not near Mary and Joseph. They're not the wise men that happened a year or two later. These are shepherds in the same country. Doesn't even get the idea that they're near the manger. They're just in the countryside. Why did God tell them? I think the same reason God tells us today, because he has a value placed on every soul. Every soul means something to him. And God made it a point to let them know. So they made it a point To follow God. Notice verse 15. The Lord hath made known unto us. The angels delivered the message. But they said the Lord made known unto us. We've already mentioned the glory of the Lord was there. And that even though the angel brought the message, the Lord made it known. And today is no different. God uses messengers today. We have the word of God here. And God uses messengers to convey that word. Just like He used the angels there, He uses me this morning he uses you today and he uses hopefully you throughout the week as we surrender to him. God's word conveyed by God's people. We are the messenger. But it's the word of God that matters. It's the word of God that changes lives. God uses messengers to, pre- to preach the complete revealed word of God. And what is that message? What is that message today? What is the message that we share what about John 3 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, I know that's a verse that we remember that we we've memorized when we're maybe five or six or seven, maybe a little older. But it's a very important verse. What about John ten ten? Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. So these earthly shepherds, if you kind of look at the big picture here, they were privileged to witness the coming of the good shepherd. And if they were still around when Jesus said this in John chapter 10, I bet they were thrilled to hear, what wait a, Jesus says he's the good shepherd? I'm a shepherd. I'm that guy that stays up all night long with cold hands and muddy feet and having taken a shower and who knows how long. But Jesus says, he's the good shepherd. I'm a shepherd too. Praise the Lord. But, you know, they can only come to that conclusion because they pursued the Lord. Have you pursued the Lord today? They followed the message. Let me ask you this. How ridiculous would it have been if the shepherds didn't go to Bethlehem? It's pretty ridiculous, right? Right. Well, I want to tell you that it's just as ridiculous for us to not follow the Lord's message this morning. They didn't stand around. They didn't wait for many things to go. And I know I mentioned they they waited for their night vision. But the Bible says they went in haste to find Mary and Joseph and the child. You know, even thousands of years later, our response should be the same as the shepherds. We must follow the message of the gospel and pursue the Lord. I want to point out just a, a few, uh, three things here before we go on to our next point, I may, uh, a couple of minor points here. We must pursue Him first for deliverance. Listen, God didn't come on into this world just because it was something cool to do. It wasn't on the way, it was the way, it was His purpose. He didn't come to earth because uh, it was just, hey, let's go save some folks. He came to seek and save the lost, He came to deliver us from certain death. He was born into the family of man so that man could be born into the family of God. The son of man or the son of God, rather, was born to die. We seem kind of maybe sleepy this morning. Kind of maybe just uh, it's been a long year. Can we get 2020 over with one more Sunday? (laughs) It's done. One more Sunday. It's over with. But God became man. I have to be honest for you to you this morning. This, the purpose of God becoming man, the purpose of Christmas, the purpose of the cross, the purpose of all of the things that we're talking about here, it is a complete waste to you if you don't know Christ. If you don't know Christ, you must call upon him for deliverance. Romans 10:9 says, For if thou shalt call, if thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Call upon him today. Remember, he saves all who call. But if you're already a believer this morning, our pursuance of Christ doesn't end with our deliverance. We must seek him continually. You know, I have a message that I might preach next, uh, next Sunday about the wise men. You know, wise men still seek him today. And they're not wise because they're seeking him. They're seeking him because they're wise. I guess you can put it both ways, I reckon. But wise men still seek him. Are you a wise person? Do you want to seek God? We must continually seek God. Salvation is just the beginning. We must pursue Him for development. Jesus said that we must seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, I take this to heart. I, I spent a number of years in the military and there are some things that you want in your career, whether it's in the military or any, any career, right? And I have to I had to purposely continually challenge myself to ask God in my prayer life, in my walk with the Lord, am I seeking you first or am I seeking something else first? Am I seeking a promotion first? Am I seeking a better relationship with my wife or my children? What do I seek first? Is it the kingdom of God Or is it something else? We must pursue him continually. He must be at the top of the list, if you will. Jeremiah 29 13 says, Ye shall seek me, ye shall seek me, and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. I mean, think about that for a moment. Sometimes we we pray and God seems so distant. I'm not the only one. I know I'm not. God seems so far away. Why? Because we're not seeking with our whole heart. We have other distractions that we allow in our lives. I have other distractions in my life and I have to put those away. And with my whole being, I must seek God. And we have a promise here in Jeremiah 29 that he shall be found when we seek with our whole heart. So our purpose doesn't end with salvation. Our purpose begins with salvation. When we put Christ in his rightful place in our hearts as Savior, as Lord and Master, God does a work in us that that could never happen without him. He does a work in us. He does a work through us. God changes you. I am evidence that God changes people. And I'm not the end all be all. I'm not who I will be yet. But I'm not who I used to be by a long shot, by the grace of God. God changes lives 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now think about that verse and I, I ponder many times on how I look into the Bible that is often, oftentimes referred to as a, as a mirror. And I look into the mirror and it shows me who I am. And it changes me because the Spirit of God changes me closer and closer into His image. May we continually seek God. It doesn't happen accident. We must make a point to seek God. But not only must we pursue Christ for deliverance and development, we must pursue Him for direction. This is probably something that speaks home to a lot of us, especially uh, those in the military looking for, like, we think we have some great control over our next assignment. <laughs> and sometimes we do, I guess. But really, it's, we must seek God. We must seek Him for direction. Whether it's Looking for the right door, walking through the right door. Listen, when I before I came to Germany, my wife and I were convinced, I think we were convinced, maybe fooling ourselves, that we wanted to, that God wanted us to have a ministry there in Tennessee. I was probably more convinced than she was. And so we started looking to buy a house, and we're thinking and this is not against the law sex. checks. You buy a house where the, Lord, where the Lord leads. I thought the Lord was leading me there to buy a house. And I'm not even Can I looked at probably 15 houses. I mean, come to the table to sign. And the door was closed. The door was closed. The door was closed. The door was closed. I mean, theologically or spiritually speaking, I guess there was many times I had my foot in the door and I'm trying to I want to buy this house. It works. I want to be here. I want to be in a ministry. My pastor and I drove through the village that I was going to plant a church in and found a church building abandoned. A church building that I could personally afford on my own dime on my own income. Lord, close the door. Close the door over and over and over again. And then when I really surrendered all, and I I began to seek him with all my heart. And to seek him for direction, the guidance became clearer and clearer. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. You know, even in earthly life, you will never know your leader's guidance unless you're following him. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 says, Break up your follow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. I love that verse. Break up the follow ground for it is time to seek the Lord. Now, that word follow ground is a reference to ground. It's a reference to land like land, farmland, if you will, that has not been tilled in a very long time. And God, through Hosea is telling it, it is time to till the ground. It is time to work your heart out. It's time to get excited again. It's time to have some seed time and harvest again in your heart. Till the ground. Till the ground. Follow the Lord. Seek Him for direction, development, and all these things here for deliverance. You see, the shepherds didn't waste any time. They they had what we had the other night, purpose, direction, and motivation. They had all that right there. And they didn't hesitate at all. They ran. They recognized the importance of the message. Luke two sixteen states that they came with haste, with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And that word haste, you know, is something that you know, we have it in the army, a fighting, hasty fighting position, right? It's something you do when you're not going to be there that long. So do you think they took the sheep with them? I don't think so. They moved with haste to go find this child in a manger. I realize that we live in a world today that shuns commitment. I realize that we live in a world that doesn't want anything to do with God, but it's time to till the ground. It is time to serve the Lord. Be like the shepherds. Don't wait another minute to serve God. I look back at my life and when I knew I was saved and I look back at those 10 years, what in the world was keeping me from just getting serious with God? Why was I just Now, one day, maybe one day. Why do we do that to ourselves? It's time to serve the Lord. It's time to serve the Lord with haste. Drop out all those things that really don't matter and serve the Lord. Be like the shepherd. We must run to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he's not only the reason for the season. He is the reason for living. He is our purpose. All of it. We must pursue him. The shepherds pursued him. We must pursue him. But notice they did more than just pursue. Praise God. They also proclaimed the Lord. Look at verse 17. The Bible says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wandered at those things which were told them by the shepherds from where they were watching their flocks by night and their route to go to the manger I don't think they were walking through downtown Hermannsdorf, you know, where all the people are at. There's probably not not many people there at all. It's probably not very well populated. But after these shepherds heard about the truth, heard about the birth of the good shepherd, what does the Bible say they did? They proclaimed that word. They made known abroad what was told to them. They most likely went out of their way. To go tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. We get the idea that they proclaimed the birth on the way there. They probably took a beeline to the manger, the best way they knew how. And anybody that happened to be on the way, they told about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when they left the manger scene, they probably, I don't think they went back to the sheep if they still had them. They went to to proclaim the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had a more confident message after they seen him in the hay. You know, if you think about it, they probably proclaimed Christ the rest of their life. They saw God. They saw Jesus. They met the Savior of the world and it changed their lives. Have you met the Savior Laurel? Has it changed your lives? Because I can say if it hasn't changed your life, you've probably not met the Savior. You've not met the Savior that I've met if your life has not been changed. They saw God and it changed their lives. That Mary pondered those things in her heart. They... Mary pondered the things that they told the world, it leads us to believe that the shepherds got there and Mary and Joseph were there. And they even told Mary and Joseph, hey, we're here to see this. And this is what happened. The angels came to us. And Mary just kind of leans back and just ponders those things. You know, German the- theologian <clears throat> back in the 1700s by the name of jo- jo- Johann Bengel, he said that these shepherds were the first evangelists. They were the first people who... To share the gospel. To share the new, the new Christ and new life that came into this world. Christ came into the world and they wanted to tell the world. Can you sense the excitement of the shepherds? I hope you can. I hope that you get a hold of that. And I hope when you read this on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve, please read the first 21, chap- or 21 verses of, of Luke chapter 2 and make that a tradition in your home. Get excited about it. The fact that God became man, that cold Palestinian air was a great night to breathe that night. God became man and I think these shepherds couldn't tell enough people to appease their excitement. When's the last time we've been so excited about the gospel that we couldn't tell enough people to appease that excitement? I believe these shepherds retold the event of that special night the rest of their lives. While Bethlehem lies sleeping in the dark, the light of the world was made flesh. While Bethlehem, which means house of bread, had no room in the inn, the bread of life was born and laid in a manger. The shepherds, again, were probably not theologians. They were probably not Bible scholars. They probably didn't have a four-year degree in ministry. They may not have understood all there was that was going on that night. But I want to point out that they proclaimed what they knew was right. They proclaimed what they knew. And friends, that's all we can do. We can preach what we know. If you've been saved, we can preach that. We can preach that. And they preached it to whosoever would hear it. They proclaimed on that day in the city of David a Savior was born, which is Christ the Lord. They pursued the Lord. They proclaimed the Lord. And then very quickly here, as we come to an end here, notice also that they praised the Lord. They praised the Lord. There was joy in the air. Look at verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. There was joy in the air. Early on the night they were surrounded by the glory of the Lord. So they figured they could really only respond like any person could respond. They responded the the same way Mary did. My soul doth magnify the Lord. The shepherds praise the Lord. You know, I think it goes without saying that there is something incredibly special about God and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to point out a few things here before before we close. When Moses got a tiny glimpse of God, when it passed by, When he passed by, when he put his hand over the cleft of the rock, it almost killed Moses. When Jacob wrestled with God over the brook of Jebacahit, he knew that his life was spared. When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, he thought he was a goner. He said, woe is me, and he cried. Samson's father, Manoah, said, we shall surely die because we've seen God. But none of this was true with the shepherds when they saw God. In the manger. It was not true of Mary. It was not true of Joseph. It was not true of the wise men later on. It was not true of anybody who saw the Lord in the flesh. They saw God. They saw God without his glory. They saw God in humility. They saw God in the flesh as a man, as a baby. They saw God easy to approach. Who is afraid of approaching a baby in a manger? They saw God easy to speak to. They saw God easy to even identify with. They saw God in the flesh, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the shepherds feared God in His glory, but they did not fear God in the manger. They loved God in the manger. He would be their friend. He would be their savior. They worshiped him. The shepherds glorified and praised the Lord. That's got to mean something to us today. We can talk to God. We can talk to God. And although he's no longer in a manger, Jesus is still worthy to be praised. He's as approachable and easy to identify with, with us as he was On that cold night in Bethlehem, lying in the manger, he did not come in his glory. He did not come as an angel. He did not come as the powerful God that he is. He came as man. Hebrews 2.16 says that he took not on him the nature of angels, but the seed of Abraham. God became man. Hebrews 4.15 says that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And when you put all that together and you read the verse that says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, we can talk to God. We can approach God as much as I can walk to Tyler and have a conversation. That's our God. That's our Savior, a personal God. Fear not, the angel cried. It was not a message of doom that they had. It was a message of deliverance. You can come to God. Any person can come to God. And as easy as the shepherds approach the manger, we can come to the throne of grace. We can come to Christ. Because God has come to us in a way that we can understand. He has come in a way that we can handle with our hands, as John says, that we can speak to. He came as one of us, and because of that and many millions of reasons more, he is worthy. He is worthy to be praised. The shepherds praised the Lord, and we too must praise the Lord. I want you to look at verse 20 real quickly one last time. It says, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. If you think about it, the shepherds did not do anything different than what God expects from us. They heard the word of God, we've heard the word of God. They saw the word of God made flesh when they responded correctly to the message. We also can find the word of God when we follow the word of God. We can find Jesus when we follow the Lord because the progression is clear. And I'll leave you with this, the word of God always, always, always leads us to the son of god and if we accept the son of god it will always lead to the worship of god praise god today that he has come in the flesh this christmas season and as we begin a new year may we make it a point personally and on purpose to pursue the lord to proclaim his message and to praise his name let's pray